0: My friends, to the show that never ends, I'm glad you could attend, come inside, come inside, come inside, right now, you're listening to Let's Talk Hemp and the 422, I am your host Morris Beagle, welcome to the show. Hello, hello from the 422, where every day is Earth Day. We have been off the air since the end of April 2018, besides a few random episodes here and there. But we are ready to get Season 2 of the 422 fired up, turned up, and as loud as we can. We will be dropping boom stocks and truth bombs, since we now have federally legal hemp across the good old USA. I'll get my hemp brother Rick Trojan on here coming up in a few, and we've got Frank Robison from the Robison Law Group coming on as our Season 2, Episode 1 guest, and he'll lay out information regarding the passing of the 2018 Farm Bill, what that really means for hemp nationwide, and also go into what is going on with the FDA and some of the recent chaos as to hemp shipment seizures in Idaho and Oklahoma. I want to throw a shout out to everyone who has made the effort and played a role for the hemp and cannabis industries in the ending of Prohibition. There's plenty of work still to do, but progress is being made. That is undeniable. And working together to build bridges rather than against each other building walls is what I'm all about, this show is all about, and what this industry is all about. Let's all set the intention for that to be the case moving forward. On that note, we'll make a quick switch over and get Rick dialed into the conversation Back in just a second. All right, we're back here at episode one, season two of Let's Talk Hemp in the four two two, and I'm bringing in my brother and hemp spirit in our brand new Let's Talk Hemp studio whoop in whoop. Fort Collins, Colorado, right here, Rick Trojan. Hey guys,
1: welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy hemp is off the prohibition list, which it never really was on, but now we're clearly it's clearly off. Uh, but very exciting stuff. Exciting for Season 2.
0: It has been a while since we checked in what we did a little kind of on-the-spot thing with Doug Fine before we went to Hawaii. But we've been off the air for, oh, shit, I don't know, five months? Wow. Like
1: Seems like a lifetime, but yeah, wow.
0: <laughs> so anyway, we're firing up Season 2, 2019, and Rick and I have been all over the place. We just got back from Nepal, but we'll get into that a bit later. We're going to start off with the Farm Bill passed on December 20th. No thanks to Donald Trump signing it, but he actually is the guy that did sign it. And hemp is officially no longer associated with the Controlled Substances Act.
1: Small hands, big pen, man. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a hemp pen. Mitch McConnell signed the act with a hemp pen from Green Spring Technologies. So shout out to them and shout out to Mitch. But uh, yeah, President D T took his little hands and grabbed his little pen and and signed as John Hancock. And so we now have. Clarity that all cannabinoids are legal, including CBD, including THC. The entire plant is legal. I've grown less than 0.3% THC. And it is all now regulated by the USDA and the FDA. So the DEA did, in fact, go MIA when it comes to hemp uh, and cannabis in theory. So we'll talk a little bit about that with Frank Robinson about how some of the interference is coming later. But very, very big day, December 20th. the day before the solstice so pretty pretty awesome
0: also the day before your
1: birthday that is amazing it was a good birthday present so i appreciate a president a a sitting president has never given me a birthday present before but you know i'll take it i would pick a different president but you know can't pick your parents can't pick your president so
0: yeah, can't pick a lot of things can't pick your point of origin where you're born at but
1: but it's all good. So yeah, so that's a huge, huge day. And we uh, obviously took some time off to, to help uh, the rest of the industry. We want to give a shout out to the Hemp Industries Association, Vote Hemp, the National Hemp Association, uh, the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, then you guys out there, uh, your letters to congressmen and, and and buying this product and using it really helped to drive the economic conversation. And uh, so shout out to everyone in the industry. It was, it was a good team, collaborative effort. I mean, at the end of the day, we all came together and I think it, uh, it was a big day for us. So I'm, I'm proud of us as an industry.
0: I'm proud too. It definitely took a lot of people in a lot of different areas from a lot of different backgrounds coming together to unite, to cooperate, to make this happen. Nobody really believes it to be a perfect bill, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. It's taken a long time to get here, and there's still a long ways to go, but there's a lot of clarity. I think the intention of Congress is clear. The intention of a lot of that language points that, just like you said, all parts of the plant are now legal. They're no longer associated with the Controlled Substances Act. There's work to do with the different agencies, the USDA, the FDA, And I think that leads us getting into this because there's plenty of hurdles still to overcome. There's plenty of obstruction ahead of us from the government. And again, it's about being unified and positive and putting the right message out there to the public that, hey, this stuff is legal. It's a plant that's beneficial to the planet and to our personal health. And Congress is clear. It's Now it's just getting it clarified within the agencies so our farmers can grow it and people can process it and people can manufacture it and put products out there to the consumer.
1: So I think that's a great segue into essentially the handoff of government interference and confusion has gone from the Department of Justice and the DEA to another lovely three-letter word. It's gone over to the FDA. So the FDA, uh, the day the hemp bill was passed, the day the Agricultural Act was passed, FDA sent out a essentially a press release and a couple things were we gleaned from that press release. The first is good news is that hemp seed, hemp protein and hemp seed oil, right the stuff we put on our salads and we can run our cars with, that is all generally recognized as safe. So that is fantastic news. FDA uh, appreciates and understands that this plant has been a food for a long, long time, and a safe food, and they have generally recognized hemp seed, hemp protein, and hemp seed oil to be grass, which is which is super cool. Um, not that we need their approval, but I'm happy to have it. Uh, the thing that is confusing, and also, uh, well, I'll let you comment about it, but uh, they also are saying that all cannabinoids are legal, but that CBD and THC are not able to be introduced as food because they're not quite sure they're safe. So essentially, the press release reads, It is unlawful, under the FD&C Act, Federal Drug and Cosmetics Act, to introduce food containing added CBD or THC into interstate commerce or market CBD or THC products as or in dietary supplements, regardless of whether the substance is hemp-derived. This is because both CBD and THC are active ingredients in FDA-approved drugs that were the subject of clinical investigation before they were marketed as food or dietary supplements. So essentially, adding CBD or THC to, even if it's hemp derived, is not lawful, according to the FDA under interstate commerce. So thoughts on that, Mo?
0: I would disagree with their opinion on that. And I'm going to side with opinions by others in our industry that have more legal knowledge than myself, including The Hoban Law Group and the Hemp Roundtable, who interpret it differently because of stuff that was going on prior to whatever that is, GW and whoever else has been out there doing trials and investigations. I think that CBD and cannabinoids were used in food and supplements before that. And I think that the business model that's been created the last four years since the 2014 farm bill and section 7606 that all these products currently exist in the marketplace the good actors who are putting out quality products i think have proven that these products are safe the industry is happening they're being carried in big retailers they're being sold all over the place there is no health concern there is no safety concern when it comes to these products that are being created correctly in the right type of facilities. And that's where the nuance of some of this stuff with the FDA we can get into when it comes to compliance and regulation and and making sure that you're making stuff in food grade kitchens and facilities and all of that.
1: And see, that's where I I disagree uh, to a certain extent, right? So I think that, let's be real, CBD products have been made in basements and garages and kitchens and all over for... You know, especially for the last five years, right? And there's no that I'm aware of, no one's gotten you know horribly sick or been sent to the hospital for, for those types of products. I do get there is potential um, for unsafe products to be made, but you know I think no one that I'm aware of so far has been nefarious in what they've been been making as far as from a health standpoint. But I do want to comment on one piece of that um, press release. The last piece says the FDA, an agency within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which is under the USDA protects the public health by assuring safety, effectiveness, and security of human and veterinary drugs, vaccines, and other biological products for human use and medical devices. I, again, want to just bring to people's attention that the FDA is not necessarily the, the most focused on safety and, and health. I mean, they've approved mustard gas for use, right, from World War II, World War I and two. It's now used in chemo. Uh, that's an FDA-approved product. They've also improved methamphetamines, uh, in the form of Ritalin for children as, as young as age 11. So uh, those are not safe. I don't really care how, how you, you put it, what tests you have and what information you have, uh, but those are not safe. And that, that, that just, I think, grows to show, and this is where I might deviate a little bit, that I don't believe the FDA is out for our health. I do believe, and evidence has shown, that CBD and THC are safe in any amounts and you cannot overdose on any cannabinoid that we're aware of. So uh, it is 100% safe just on the cannabinoids by themselves.
0: And I'll go back to the FDA stating that putting that in food products, whether CBD or THC, is unlawful. That is their opinion. They do not make laws. They interpret laws. We interpret laws. Attorneys, lobbyists. I think that our industry interprets it that Congress passed a law, and it's pretty clear within there that all these constituents are legal, and they, Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul, the people from Kentucky who were instrumental in driving this bill, have a bunch of producers there in Kentucky that are making all these products and putting them into commerce right now that the FDA is saying no, these are not legal, but yet Mitch McConnell put together legislation that says that they are legal. So there's a difference in opinion there, and I'm going to go with what the legislation really says, and that all these products are legal, regardless of what the FDA says.
1: Agreed. I agree, and that's a great point. And just to kind of hit that home, Mitch McConnell put himself on the Agricultural Committee um, Arbitration Group, the the conference, as a committee member to make sure that CBD was included, because remember Grassley... Was the only one that voted against the American farmers when we were in Cologne in Germany. Uh, he voted against the American farmers in regards to CBD, and so Mitch McConnell stayed the course and thank him for that. Shout out to him as well. We don't agree on a lot of things, but definitely agree with him on that. So appreciate where you're coming from, and yeah, let's keep the intent of the legislation really what's driving our policy, not the outliers that are trying to protect you know special interests. So yeah, that's that. Very big, very big analysis, and we'll, we'll get into that more during the season, but very big day and, and now we have clarity. cannabinoids are legal across America. so that's fantastic. So what are we going into next here? Well, we did a lot of traveling last year, so let's get into just a quick kind of wrap up. I'm, we started off uh, spending a, a week or so in Ireland getting ready for an Irish hemp summit for 2020. Uh, we got to go all over the place from Kerry to Belfast to uh, Dingle, which was amazing. And uh, we got to ring some dingle bells, in fact. And we had had a dingleberry um, taste test as well in Dingle. So lots of dingalicious things happening in Dingle uh, in Ireland. But that place is, that was an amazing trip, right, Morris?
0: Oh, yeah. It was uh, good hanging out with Jim and Mark and Evelyn. The Hemp Kitchen, Evelyn's there. She
1: does the designing. But Jim's been in the industry for decades and has uh, the Hemp Store and the Hemp Kitchen, which we had fresh... um, I guess it was essentially like wheatgrass, but made out of hemp, like out of the leaves and stalks. It was that fresh pressed hemp juice. Juice, yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Threw in some apples for flavor, but it yeah. was it was decent. Yeah. yeah. Then we got to see some dairy cows that were all named and watch them. We had the, the remember that milk or that cheese we had. It was like so potent. Oh yeah. Stunk up the car. I thought it was you, but it was the cheese. <laughs> um, that was a great. That was a great trip. And they're they're doing a lot of really awesome stuff there in Ireland. You're going to be back there in two weeks before the. Birmingham Expo, uh, I think for a day to check yep. out some stuff. So uh, we saw them in, in uh, Nepal, which we'll get into. But Ireland was great. Then we bounced over and got to uh, do some speaking engagements there in,
0: uh, in Athens. That was my first time in Athens. And my first time in Greece as well. And, you know, Balkanabis, year one, they did a really good job. Nicholas brought together a lot of great people from around the world and a lot of exhibitors and pretty good attendance. And it was cool to hang out there at the Acropolis.
1: It was cool, and we, uh, in fact, got asked to leave. I don't know if I want to say kicked out, but got asked to leave the Acropolis multiple times. We were up there with uh, Paul Bidham, you, myself, you, our film crew, and uh, we didn't have a permit to film, which I didn't realize we needed. Um, we are at probably the oldest building in, Democratic, in the Democratic world, but uh, didn't do that. We had that, and then I had my shoes off, and I wasn't allowed to do that, and then uh, put on a toga, which I wasn't allowed to do that for sure, and my, I, I mistakenly thought togas were Greek. And they were Etruscan, which were like ancient Greek, but then they went to Roman, so it wasn't really uh, Greek. So, but uh, I did get to have a toga in the Acropolis. Paul had a you had a little laurel of golden laurel around your head, and it was uh, it was awesome until we were asked to leave, and we had to film on uh, on Saint Peter's Rock and get all religious. But it was uh, that was a great adventure, man. That that co- that conference was great, and that, being able to hang out in that city with everyone was was uh, it was great to be where democracy was found. It was. See all those old buildings, and
0: and we had some fun. Went to that, that went to a couple different like springs or whatever. Went, yeah, we went to the hot springs right off the ocean, and we also went to the, the opera.
1: That's right. That was insane. Except for it was like a Nazi opera, so it was about like the German things. Like I didn't really understand what was going on, but the Acropolis. I mean, talk about sound i mean this is more your take right on the on the music side but it was what do you think i mean that acoustics was insane
0: wasn't it yeah and they built this thing like 500 bc held what probably six seven thousand people and you could sit down there in the middle of the stage and hear somebody talking and the acoustics were like perfect so how they figured that shit out back seven thousand years ago not seven yeah but that's five thousand so, my well, math isn't very good
1: that's all right we're not here for math so it's uh we're, we're here for the story about the acropolis and whenever they built it they figured out some cool shit, and I'm happy that it's still around, because the, the even though the play was, or the opera wasn't good, the acoustics were amazing, and the music was amazing. Yep. And then when well, we'd go from there, Cologne, I got to speak in Cologne at the European Industrial Hemp Association. Uh, we got to... Uh, go to see Queen? We did go to see Queen, our second time seeing Queen. We saw him once in Denver, and then he, in uh, Cologne, which was interesting, because the Germans would stand up and kind of clap a little bit, and then sit back down and say and uh and we didn't we rocked out pretty hard and danced and i remember I, I danced the whole time and we were sweating and having a great time we had a, yeah, a little box with the irish folks and it was a it was a good time the navi time. market was there and uh yeah it was, it was probably yeah. about 10 of us yeah it was a good uh, last minute decision to stay the extra night and spend you know one less day in amsterdam uh, but we did go to a
0: cannabis festival i think it was like a 10th anniversary cannabis festival wasn't it in amsterdam Cool. I, I missed I I flew back, but you went because the HI people That's caught right. up with you.
1: That's right. So we Doug, that was um, Doug spoke, Doug fine. So that was great. I uh, had Rosenthal was there as well. Uh, but it was amazing to see this festival where no one was drinking alcohol. There was no beer allowed. It was all cannabis consumption. It went through the night. There weren't cops everywhere. Everyone was having a good time. I didn't see anyone fighting. And I was thinking to myself, how cool would it be if we could do that in the States and just – it would be cool. I don't know if our regulations would allow it, but it would be you know in our culture. But it was it was absolutely impressive to see that kind of a turnout around a plant that uh, that there was no issues with, right? Definitely definitely different than an alcohol yes. uh, concert for sure, no doubt. Um, and then let's talk about Nepal. We just got back from Nepal there for what about ten days or so for the Asian Hemp Summit with him today. You spoke, I spoke. We had some good Q and A. Brought the energy of the four two two
0: to uh,
1: to Asia. And participated in the third annual international karaoke championships was at the same resort we were at go figure um what are the chances of that i guess 100 percent. but uh (laughs) it was uh it was awesome you saying what tell let's yeah what'd you think of the karaoke and then let's get into the conference
0: uh well yeah i guess let's start with the important thing the karaoke contest after the first day of the conference well i died Pop my cherry and got to sing "War Pigs" by Black Sabbath. It was my awesome. first karaoke performance,
1: and it was insane. It was it was just as good as the Indian songs where I didn't know they were singing, um, but it was amazing. You rocked it. It was you brought the energy and and really it was it was tough because I guess the people that won last year didn't get to make it. They got stuck in the city, so we ended up having to sing and get everyone kind of at host and get everyone kind of going and excited and. And it was helpful that you got to you got to sing your first uh, your first karaoke song. I thought I thought you brought the noise, man.
0: Well, it was noisy? That's for sure. That's why I'm a guitar player and not a singer.
1: It was uh, it was solid, but uh, yeah. So into the the takeaways from Nepal. I mean, it was there was probably what about a hundred people or
0: so from thirty different countries. It was like a hundred people from twenty five countries and focused on Asia. So we had presentation about India, China, Mongolia, South Korea, I'm Vietnam, sure. Thailand. Australia was in there. It was Tasmania. Uh, Tasmania was there. That was amazing. Andy from Tasmania.
1: Taz it out. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely it was incredible. And what, what one of my takeaways was China has over half of the there's a lot of patents out there on him. Right? Not just medical, right? There's patents on processing, on cultivars, on fiber, on construction material. Energy, supercapacitors, a lot of that stuff is owned or the patents are applied for and owned by Chinese companies. In fact, over 600 patents from what uh, what we gleaned from the conference. So uh, absolutely incredible. And they're doing so much amazing stuff in, in other countries with this product, especially in China and Asia and Japan. Um, and even the stuff they're doing there in Nepal. I mean, this plant's pretty native to that region. And they were doing houses. They're building a hospital there, right? Um, Shiv is building a hospital mm-hmm. there out of hemp. Uh, It's just, it's, it's incredible. And the Indians too, they were super excited about learning and bio. I think it was bioplastics was what uh, Dilsher was all about, right?
0: Yeah. Bioplastics and then building materials as well. One crazy story. is this 28
1: year old kid from India and he went to school here in the States, uh, was coming back for, and he got in trouble for having, um, you know, ITC cannabis in Virginia, I think. Came back and he had, uh, what did he have? Rolling papers, I think, in his, in his suitcase. Remember? And customs wouldn't allow him back in the country, and gave him a five-year ban, saying that he was trying to smuggle drugs, illegal drugs, into our country. So, um, craziness. And, and, and uh, I just that story was crazy. We got to have him on the podcast if we can, because that, that was just insane about how I think he was coming to meet his, his fiance or something. I think it was it was a pr- pretty crazy yeah. story for having roller papers and getting kicked out of our country. Sure. Um, it made me a little apprehensive coming back, but not that apprehensive, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was a great conference and a great, we got we got to play golf in the Himalayas and we, um,
0: with Dan Hare,
1: with Dan Hare. And he's doing some amazing things as well. So it was a, it was a good group, good leaders and met, you know, it was good. I didn't know probably more than half the group. So it was good to, uh, to have some new faces.
0: What do we got coming up? Well, we're going to Birmingham to the hemp and CBD expo. That's March 2nd and 3rd. They're doing kind of similar to NOCO. They've got a B2B day the first day and then a B to C day, which is business to consumer on the second day. And I think we've just kind of uh, merged our little presentations. You were gonna do Saturday, I was gonna do Sunday. Now we're gonna do Saturday together. And kind of focus on the industry side of things, marketing, branding, what's going on in the U.S., and and more industry driven, and then Sunday we're going to get up and give a little more broad, consumer driven presentation, so we'll bring some energy, we'll have some fun so if anybody over there on the other side of the pond who's listening to this is going to be in Birmingham, please come hang out with us at the Hemp and CBD Expo.
1: Yep, Birmingham, United Kingdom, not Alabama, so Birmingham, UK March 1st and 2nd um, it will be a good one, and then then we have the granddaddy of them all, as we say here, not the rodeo, not the stock show, but the granddaddy of the Hemp Expos is NOCO 6. Huge, uh, lots of new stuff we're doing this year, Morris, and uh, it's a bigger venue. It's in Denver. We knew the law was going to pass, We're fingers crossed, and we did it. Now it's time to really take it to the next level, and what are the changes we're going to see this year at NOCO 6?
0: So, well, we're moving out of Loveland. We've been here for five years, really. Well. Wow. 4 years and then 1 year in Windsor. But moving to Denver to the Crown Plaza DIA, we've got 70,000 plus square feet of exhibition and conference space. Expo Hall is completely sold out. We we really sold out like 25 days into turning it on. And we were a little bit behind the eight ball. We've switched to a new software package, but the response has been overwhelming we're still a small team we're still indie we're still all about mom and pops and small farmers craft participants boutique brands but we're growing up as an industry we will always support the entrepreneur the mom and pops the small farmers but there's bigger and bigger players coming into the market the market's going to mature here quite quickly with the way things have gone. I mean, look at the last couple of years, but we're seeing that all across the country. There's other events popping up. There's there's companies popping up from all over the place. So we've got a sold out expo hall. We've got an expanded conference space. We've got three rooms on Friday, three rooms on Saturday. Friday's our business conference. Saturday's our farm symposium. We're also adding a pre-conference investors forum that's going to be put on and programmed by the Hemp Industry Daily and MJ Biz. That group's come in to partner with us, and we're excited about that relationship. Those guys have done a wonderful job on the high THC side of the cannabis plant, and we're trying to work with and collaborate with as many good organizations as possible out there. We've been talking with Canatech. We've talked with New West Summit. Is it just U.S. Hemp Expos? I think so. It yeah, Melissa a- and Booth Boss and that. Those guys are doing some great events. NOCO has been very forward-thinking and and wanting to, to work with and collaborate with as many other producers, not only around the country, but around the world. That's what we've been doing a lot with our time the last 12 to 18 months since really going to Poland together and then heading all over the place last year and starting in Nepal this year and going out to England and being able to partner with these other expos and conferences so we're sharing the right information and we're getting everybody aligned so this plant can really do what it should do for our planet
1: yeah we just need to get out of our way like we said hemp will save the world but are we going to be around to see it that's the new that's my new phrase so uh, (laughs) i hope so um but we got a great episode coming up here we got an interview coming up with frank robinson from robinson law to talk about there's recent seizures of Hemp uh, flower biomass in Oklahoma and in Idaho, and Frank is directly involved uh, in Oklahoma specifically. So we'll go chat with him over that, the ins and outs there. Uh, then we got a great season coming up. Uh, we got all everything covered from health, energy, manufacturing, and planet. And we have, uh, we'll have everything coming out on the 22nd of every month. So February 22nd, March 22nd, we'll have a left talk hemp episode, and then we'll have intermittent uh, episodes in between there. So. Once a month, uh, was good for our schedules. I think that uh, it'll be good for uh, for getting the message out and and staying and staying um, up to date with all the new stuff because it's changing quickly.
0: Yep, so the 22nd of every month is our official monthly episode, and we will be looking to do some of these intermittent special broadcast podcasts when we figure out how we're going to continue to produce this. We've actually upgraded, upscaled, scaled up. Scaled up. One louder. We are scaling up with the podcast. We've hired a podcast company to help us put this stuff together and promote it and place it out there in the marketplace. So if you like what you're hearing, you're going to be able to hear this on iTunes going forward, as well as some other platforms. But iTunes is what we're going to start with right now. That's what I know that It'll out. be on
1: Spotify. It'll be on on the yeah. It'll of, be yeah. on
0: all of them. Yep. We're
1: the production company is great, so it'll be more professional. We might not be more professional, but the production will be way more professional. Just kidding. So I think uh, it's going to be great across the board, and uh, really excited for this season and and uh, the new direction we're taking it, and really changing the cannabis conversation, and helping people dispel fear, and all about collaboration and, and Mother Earth and the four two two. So one louder, buddy, as always.
0: Yep yep that's right 422 where every day is earth day
1: bend a knee to mother earth and actually I did quite a bit of that in the Himalayas it was it was rough and um, and humbling and and to see the stars and middle all the night where it was amazing but it was I definitely bend some knees uh, <laughs> and froze
0: some, some some feet but it was good alright well why don't we get uh, Frank up on the next segment here right on This episode of The 422 is underwritten by The Hemp Road Trip and HempEvents.org. Visit www.HempEvents.org for the best filtered listing of hemp-related events in the United States and abroad. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 1 of Let's Talk Hemp and The 422. This week, opening episode, we've got Frank Robison from the Robison Law Group. Welcome, Frank. Thank you for having me. Frank, thanks
2: for taking the time. I know you're a little, uh, a little under the weather with the cold running around the country trying to help people, uh, comply with this new agricultural act. But just give a, let's give a little background here. You, you provide legal advice and counseling to a wide array of clients in the cannabis space, uh, both the marijuana and the hemp. So you work for the industry, university and not-for-profit organizations. Uh, and your specialties are the food and drug cosmetic act, the dietary supplement health and education act. DEA compliance, governance, uh, et cetera. So that's for here, Colorado, across the country, and Puerto Rico, correct?
3: And uh, I would uh, go so far as to say I have expertise in various countries around the world um, with respect to hemp matters and also importing and exporting hemp and uh, hemp-derived products into various countries.
2: Awesome. So want to go ahead and get started with uh, kind of directly into your wheelhouse, which is... Tell uh, our audience about the new changes with the Agricultural Act of 2018 and how it impacts cannabis.
3: Okay, so I think foremost, starting point, is that the 2018 Farm Bill was intended, without a doubt, to expand upon and make it much easier for the industry to provide, to produce, cultivate, distribute hemp in, uh, in states and in interstate commerce. I think what is uh, the building block is that it distinguishes industrial hemp clearly, um, or just better said, hemp from marijuana. Hemp is not marijuana. Um, it removes hemp from the Controlled Substances Act. It also removes trace amounts of THC that are derived from hemp uh, from the Controlled Substances Act. And most, very, very important, uh, very importantly. This conversation, it designates hemp as an agricultural commodity and provides for the free and uh, unfettered interstate transportation of hemp products among uh, the 50 states. In addition, the definition of hemp, the only two things that limit hemp are the THC level and that it has to be cannabis sativa L. And I say that. Because I know that we, we want to focus on the domestic side of issues, but with respect to imports and exports, if something is derived from hemp, there is nothing, uh, that customs border protection that is relying, relying upon to deny entry or to use products that would apply to, um, a product that isn't uh, a scheduled product and our and hemp is no longer scheduled. So, um, the opportunities pursuant to the 2018 Farm Bill, are enormous uh, domestically and internationally
2: so this 2018 Farm bill we hear a lot of stuff uh, about you know cbd is now legal thc is legal back and forth is it true that essentially all cannabinoids are legal including thc up to 0.3 percent based on this act is that an accurate statement
3: my interpretation of the act is that is an accurate statement um there are certain agencies that have the opinion um that Certain cannabinoids, specifically THC and CBD, hold a special status because they're involved in the development of drugs. Um, That's their opinion. Um, My uh, response to that would be it it would be certain specific um, specialized formulations of those specific cannabinoids that may and only may have those limitations upon them. But getting back to your question, the Farm Bill legalizes all cannabinoids, extracts, resins, and derivatives of things that in the past that were in a gray area, from my perspective, are no longer in that gray area.
2: That's awesome. That's great news. Let's get into the FDA issues and FDA regulations and some of the stuff happening. Um, What has the FDA said with regards to cannabis, hemp specifically, with regards to extracts and or food?
3: So the FDA... As soon as um, the Agriculture Improvement Act or the Farm Bill of 2018 was signed uh, into law by President Trump, came out with a statement um, at first blush, stating ominously that it was intending to control uh, interstate commerce of products containing CBD and THC. If you take a hard look into the commissioner's statement, harder look into the commissioner's statement, He's real, I, I think the FDA is really stating that as long as our industry is not making drug claims and they do not see a public health concern, um, the FDA does not intend to be interfering with this industry. And again, that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that's based on the FDA's opinion that CBD, more importantly than THC, can't be included in food and dietary supplements because of its status as a drug. Um, And, again, that's their opinion. I hold a different opinion, particularly as it pertains to CBD. But, again, the FDA put out a statement saying that it intended to regulate food and dietary supplements containing particular cannabinoids. But also within that statement, if you take a harder look at it, it appears to be only concerned about public health and entities that are making drug claims, which I don't think anyone in our industry should do and should always be consulting with somebody, um, whether it's their legal counsel or somebody with FDA expertise about what constitutes a drug claim, what constitutes um, a medical and disease claim versus just benign advertising.
2: So essentially, as long as no health claims are made, then we should be fine as as an industry with cannabinoids under 0.3% THC
3: it's absolutely a best practice you know we should be fine doesn't. there's no absolutes from overzealous pursuit of an entity in this industry um, as we've seen as we're going to get to I believe and in terms of what's happening in Idaho and uh, Oklahoma but I agree with you Um, so long as we're careful about the health claims that we're making um, and not marketing and not implying that they're not drugs and they're not there's not drug related uh, issues our industry should grow and should thrive as we have under the 2014 farm bill again as i mentioned uh in my opening comments i view the 2018 farm bill as an expansion of what our industry was already allowed to do um and it's a uh, massive expansion of what we were already allowed to do um, from
2: 2014 to 2018. let's get into the actual seizures there's two uh, that we want to reference let's first go ahead into the idaho one and then we'll get a little deeper into oklahoma so will you give us an overview high level of what's happening in idaho
3: so just to be clear i i'm going to address both of these uh matters from what i know um anecdotally from what i've read what's been published in the news i i have first firsthand knowledge of one of the matters and i just said i don't want to and i won't We'll be able to talk about that detailed level of information. But with respect to Idaho, it's my understanding that a trailer of hemp was seized at a way station as it crossed into the state. The driver made no attempt to flee, made no attempt to do anything besides present the documentation that he had on him to show that it was hemp. And nevertheless, the state of Idaho arrested him for the intent to distribute marijuana, which is wonderful by, uh, by I think, a minimum of five years in that state. Wow.
2: Um, and he had the paperwork and everything is, is what your understanding is.
3: And so and so, with regards to the paperwork, I think that's something that the industry, you know, industry as a whole, we can be industry groups, and the industry as a whole, we can be working on to homogenize what we think is the best practice paperwork. But he did indeed have, from what I've read in the, the uh judge's response to um, a request for an emergency injunction. Um, he, he had a paperwork that I would consider to be um, a robust suite of uh transportation paperwork. Um, and it uh, demonstrated that the hemp was compliant under Oregon's agriculture pilot program and therefore has a commodity um, that would be eligible to ship in uh interstate commerce. So yeah, it's kind of an eye-popping moment. Um, to expand upon that, the issue, a very important issue here, is what parts of the Farming Bill of 2018, the Agricultural Improvement Act of 2018, become effective when. And I think that there are, you know, there, there, there's, there's at least three that are clearly intended to be in effect now. Number one, is hemp is no longer a controlled substance. Number two, that you are should be free to transport this hemp in interstate commerce. Number three, it should be treated as an agricultural commodity. And the state of Idaho is not, uh, like the state of Oklahoma, is not um, treating hemp as it uh, uh, should according to uh, active federal law.
0: Isn't that a bit odd that Oklahoma is not treating it that way, yet they've got a temp pilot program in place now? It's very interesting.
3: It's, it's, it's um, in Oklahoma, the situation, it's, it's almost heartbreaking. Um, two individuals were in jail for almost a month over the stop. They are out of jail now on an, uh, on an OR bond, which is their own recogniz- uh, recognizant bond. But yes, to answer your question... The Oklahoma State Agricultural Pilot Program provides only four minor civil penalties if the uh, hemp in Oklahoma it, it has a THC level from 0.3% to 1% THC, and if it's below 0.3% or below, um, it's compliant with uh, both state and the applicable federal law, um, the 2014 Farm Bill or 2018 Farm Bill, as the case may be, whichever one you would want to argue um, would be applicable. To the situation, it would be compliant with both. Um, in any event, to answer your question, um, no matter how you look at the state of Oklahoma, the seizure in Oklahoma, it should not be a criminal matter. Um, looking at it through the lens of the 2018 Farm Bill, the 2014 Farm Bill, and and most just just poignantly, um, Oklahoma law.
2: So, just to give a quick background, Oklahoma essentially about 1,700 pounds. Frank, I'll read this because you're you're working on the case, so I appreciate the the discretion that's needed as the uh, counsel in the case, but I also appreciate you coming on to provide that expertise. So essentially $500,000 of hemp flower and leaf biomass um, was seized, essentially uh, cannabis for CBD. About 1,700 pounds, there were four arrested, and then two got out um, shortly thereafter within I think a week or two, and the other two, like you said, were in jail for about a month. The material is still in Oklahoma, and the case is ongoing, correct?
3: Yeah, and just to keep it at a high level of what the district attorney has put out in terms of public statement and what the news, in particular the Tulsa World, has reported, um, it's actually uh, 17,000 uh, pounds of industrial hemp. Two individuals were released um, after paying a bond within about five days of the seizure, and the other two, very tragically, were not able to get released on a bond because... No one would provide them the bond services. Um, They're uh, men of, of, they have uh, African origin. And uh, for whatever reason, um, they were not able to find a bond company that would uh, bond them out. And so they stayed in uh, jail for a month. Um, It was a heartbreaking and uh, outrageous situation. Um, I think there's a little bit of misinformation on that point. Um, it's not that they couldn't come up with the money to get bonded out. It's that no bond company would um, work with them to bond them out. And then finally, uh, the district attorney, thankfully, after a month, decided to let them out on, a, again, what's called an OR bond, an cognizance bond. Um, I think I answered more than uh, what you asked, but um, I think it's important to understand uh, what happened to whom and when in that uh in that case.
2: So to clarify so no right. private bonding company would issue them a bond, but uh, after a month cool. the district attorney found it within their heart to, to let them out was an overpopulation bond, essentially a loophole in the prison system to get them out of, of jail. Yeah, that's correct. That's Sounds correct. Uncle Roman?
3: And so I mean getting back to you know getting back to a big picture situation here, um from my my perspective, and I think it's a perspective shaled, shared by uh, many politicians and uh, that worked on the hemp bill and uh, many people within our industry, hemp is not marijuana, and hemp is no longer part of the Controlled Substances Act, and hemp is an agricultural commodity, and no state should prohibit the transportation of hemp through that state, and this is all pursuant to the 2018 Farm Bill. And in both cases, um, we have um, the states either not understanding those four points um, or finding language within the law to make counterarguments to those four points. That said, it's very important for the industry to know that if you ship hemp, particularly in it's raw farm, or if it's milled, um, you are exposing yourself to risk until um, there's settled case law on this, or the USDA promulgates its regulations, and uh, the law and the regulations are are more clear. But again, I think that Congress's intent is clear, and um, I think that we have overzealous individuals at the state level that don't understand our industry, um, and we have will have will continue to see issues like this until there's clarity either through the court or through uh, the regulatory process
2: so frank does the type of shipment make a difference so the type of shipment
3: shouldn't make a difference but from a practical standpoint hemp flower looks like marijuana flower and at the local and state level people aren't trained to distinguish the difference between the two so there will be a higher risk but in my opinion both products are no longer regulated under the Controlled Substances Act, whether it be hemp flower or processed hemp, and there shouldn't be a difference. But from a practical standpoint, um, the risk will continue to be higher until there's established case law or uh, USDA regulations. Uh, the USDA regulations are promulgated or both. And on the, on the point of the established case law, it's very important that, in the industry uh, such as the US Hemp Roundtable get involved and make their best effort to help these individuals establish proper case law that goes back to the core points that hemp is not marijuana, hemp is no longer part of the controlled substances act, it's an agricultural commodity, and there's no longer any barriers to the interstate commerce of industrial hemp. And until we have that clarity. There is a risk, and the risk is indeed higher for flour than it is for processed product. But from a legal standpoint, it shouldn't be. It's just from a practical standpoint, it is.
2: Gotcha. And and I think I would go even a step farther. Not only is all of that stuff legal and not a controlled substance, even THC, they admit in the intent of the law and in the statement and word of the law, THC is not a controlled substance. They put the delineation at 0.3% THC, but they admit that tetrahydrodelta-9 THC is no longer a full-on Schedule One substance. So they admit that all the cannabinoids are are no longer a drug. So I think that's a huge step, and I think that's really we need to make sure that people understand that as well, that they've also let THC explicitly, correct?
3: I I think it's a massively important point to make that THC derived from hemp is excluded from the Controlled Substance Act. Um, I could probably pull up uh, during the course of this conversation uh, the exact language, but um, I don't want to uh, interrupt the flow of the conversation. Yeah, you uh, can uh,
2: add at that link to the website. Hold on, that link yeah, to the website. Yeah, it's, lou- it's sure. uh,
3: loud and clear. Um, it's loud and clear in the 2018 Farm Bill that not only hemp is removed from the Controlled Substances Act, but THC um, that's derived from hemp is no longer included in the, under the control, is no longer a controlled substance under the Controlled Control Substance
2: Act. That's great. And that compiled with the victory with the DEA versus HIA1, the one about naturally occurring THC and hemp seed oil also established that naturally occurring THC was not a controlled substance. So two victories for THC, and we'll start uh, blaring the horns of the irony, I guess, of the THC from the high THC plants being crazy. So... At any rate, different conversation, different perspective, different day. But, uh, Morris, any yeah, final one, questions for Frank? One,
3: one point, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Morris, is just to make on that level is, so the higher THC strains, like things that are above 0.3% THC, um, on a dry uh, basis up to 1% under almost all or perhaps all applicable bodies of law in the, in the 41 states that have agricultural programs. And under the 2018 Farm Bill, that range is intended to be treated civilly, not criminally. Hemp farm and hemp stakeholders are not to be treated as criminals, period. And that's important to uh, both the Idaho and Oklahoma matters and other matters that may stem up uh, between now and, there's, there's, and now and when there's more clarity on uh, the applicable law.
2: Amen. They're farmers, not criminals. I, gu- I love it. Well, that's, that's about the time we've got for
0: this. And I just want to say, Frank, thank you very much for coming on here and kicking off our season too uh, with such great information because it's a time to be happy for the hemp industry and for the cannabis industry as a whole with, with the passing of the farm bill last year. And what this truly means in the big picture that it's removed from the
2: Controlled Substances Act, all parts of the plant, all cannabinoids, THC, the whole thing. So thank you for the great insight and, and helping people understand truly what this does mean for our
0: industry
3: it's my pleasure and I'm passionate about this and I enjoy having conversations with nature and I and I and I love uh, helping people uh, achieve their business objectives it's um, it's truly a great place to be and a great group of people to be working with
0: thanks bud appreciate it So that's going to do it for the first episode of Let's Talk Hemp for the 422 Season 2, right here from our brand new Let's Talk Hemp studio in Fort Collins, Colorado. Rock on, man. One louder. All right. Till next week, we'll see ya. The best way you can support the show is to share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com. And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page, and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.